Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill, and I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. This is the Community Pub. You can find me on most platforms at Total Solutions. If you're on TikTok, find me at Detail Supply App. Best way to get in touch, though, shoot me a text direct, 918-800-1188. And in the Community Pub, we are diving into... Uh, where we are in the industry, what are we doing? Where do we move forward? It's open dialogue, open discussion, heavily centered around today on paint correction. Is paint correction necessary before protection? And special guest today is David Fermani. You can find David, uh, uh, best way to get in touch with him is go to uh, his Facebook page. But if you want to get in touch and uh, send him a message, you can send him a text. 313-815-9460. And uh, David, man, thanks for your time a little bit earlier. Uh, I saw you were drinking a beer and I, I didn't get to ask you your beer. What are you drinking? I am drinking um, a New Belgium accumulation. It's an IPA. Yeah, yeah. Like and it's I a white it ale. <laughs> yeah, it's a white ale, I think, right? It is. Yeah. Accumulation is yeah. good. I like it. So far, so good. Yeah. Uh, what do you normally drink? Um, I normally drink local beers like Atwater. If you've heard of any Atwater, like Dirty Blonde. Um, M43 is another local brewery. Um, Summer Shandy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm not a huge beer drinker. Um, Raises my heart my heart rate, so I try to try to stay away. But you know, whenever I get a chance. Yeah, I I agree. I say that too. Whenever I get a chance, you know, just so <laughs> happens I got a chance. That's why I do right all these podcasts. I get a chance. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we have so many podcasts. So I can just keep drinking beer, right? Like that's that's why you do it. Uh, so this life. is uh, Cloudy Dreamsicle from uh, Welltown. Welltown, um, the interesting story about Welltown is that it, uh, the main brewer there, uh, Heads Brewman, Master Brewer, I think is what they're called, is a former detailer from Fine Airport Parking here in Tulsa. And uh, David was one of the first, he was, we called him the beer nerd. Some of those early episodes of the podcast, he would come on and tell us about beers and what they did. And then he progressed into wanting to brew beer. He started making some really cool beer. We would work together on, I would take him bottles, what I would brew. He would bring me some bottles. It was a lot of fun. And now he's the head brewmaster at this, uh, at this brewery here in Tulsa. So I sent him a picture when we got it this weekend. Uh, this is one of my favorite beers that they make. It's the, the first time I tried it was uh, at uh, Nick's favorite band. Uh, they were hosting a beer fest, the Hanson Brothers. Um, you guys don't know that about Nick. He's actually, he's a closet Hanson fan. And one of his rooms, he showed me, I don't know if he'll show you, but he showed me a picture. He's got posters up from back in the day That's where he funny. could go to concerts. Uh, so the Hanson brothers have a, a beer festival here in Tulsa because they're from Tulsa. And uh, th that was the first time I tried it. It's the first beer I tried that has lactose in it. Really? So, 
it's it's interesting that the creamy side of it uh it's a traditional um you know like a ipa but mixed with the citra hops so it gives it that cloudy you know new england style uh it's my favorite i like it all right so david uh you know give us a little bit of background um give us that elevator pitch who oh hold on nick are you nick's got a beer all right all right a little ultra action huh yeah i had to had to go out and get it dude just got a phone call in between when we were talking to david my phone kept ringing interrupted my zoom and it kept like messing with my how i listened to the zoom and one of my clients got in an accident and was wondering if they could meet me at the shop in the morning to he called it buff out some scratches you're like so, well we just got done with an episode on buffing out scratches yeah so yeah that's so, so then i read downstairs <laughs> yeah the only good thing the only cool thing about this car it's a bulletproof escalade it's actually a, a pretty cool pretty cool thing what double wall panels or something with? yeah they they basically they use this company i the name slips me uh, but essentially it's like what they use for like diplomats and things like that. This guy's kind of a, uh, high net worth guy and he, his security guy just got in a fender bender. I guess some girl hit him at a light and, uh, he started freaking out. But like the, the, when you drive this thing, it's so heavy because they basically double metal every like entry point. And then they have this big metal thing in the rear that nothing can penetrate from the front or the back. It's actually a pretty cool thing. He said he's got a, and also a Lincoln Navigator like that. It's pretty cool. But yeah, he, his security guy just called me and he kept calling while we were talking. I was like, Jesus, dude. Get <laughs> like, so you needed a beer. Yeah, quick. Or four. <laughs> he's a nice, he's a nice guy though. I mean, he's, you know, not to, not to hijack the pub here. <laughs> All right, hold on. This is getting way too freaky weird. We've got two Alex's. Two Brandons, and now I got two Nicks. <laughs> Best ever. You'll never find That's this awesome. ever again. Ever again. <laughs> you need to another David. <laughs> yeah. That's too fun. All right. So, David, give us a little bad background. You know, elevator version. You know, who are you? I'm from uh, the Metro Detroit area of Michigan. Uh, I started in 1990 doing high volume detailing at a car wash. Ended up opening a detail shop for the car wash owner, ended up later buying the detail shop, selling it. I was in the insurance industry for 10 years as an auto appraiser, got back into the detail business as a high volume detailer. Um, also did some high-end work and now I, I manage a, a pretty pricey Porsche collection where I take care of uh, the collection exclusively. Sold right. the business in September, by the way, so. Say yeah. that again? I sold my business in September, uh, a year ago, September. So I'm, I'm stress-free. Love it. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. I think that's one of the things Nick's always says. People don't realize how much stress and how much it goes into running a business. Like it's, it's nonstop. Yeah. I could, I could tell you stories. <laughs> yeah. So David, interesting. You, you got started in a place that not many people, you know, in today's environment want to say that, you know, they detail cars at. Well, when you're in Michigan, you have heavy winters, you can't rely on retail work. Um, places that do starve, there's no mobile detailers because how cold it gets and how crappy it gets. So you're basically forced if you wanna be profitable um, and have employees or workers that can you know, be with you all year round, year after year is to do you know, dealer buying stuff. So you're, you're 
got to figure out how to do it best and be the most efficient and make the most money at low margins. What levels did you go to town on those vehicles? Oh man, back in the nineties. I mean, we used to on dark colored cars, wool foam, and then wax them. But now nowadays it's a, it's a good one step with, you know, like a all in one type product. And then we charge what's, extra on everything. What's changed besides your age? Uh, knowing how to make, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, knowing how to make a car look right in the least amount of time with the least amount of, you know, touch time and chemicals. Experience. There's, there's plenty of updates to technology from then to now, right? Like, what do you think? This has been an interesting question I've asked some people over the years. Uh, what do you think has been the most advancing technology for our industry? Now, some of the alternatives, right? You could go microfiber towels. For you, I'm thinking more specifically around rotary, the DA, or the microfine abrasives, or diminishing abrasives, or water-based, solvent-based. I mean, there's a lot of different things that could go inside the correction side. So that's sort of where I wanted to go, not so much all the other all the other aspects of detailing, but more on the correction side. What do you think has been the most advancement? The, the, the basically the implementation, can't say creation because they've been around forever, of a dual action polisher. That's, that's the biggest thing that has changed my business to be more efficient, um, you know, less splatter, you know, one step versus two steps, um, all in ones. You know, it's, it's been, you know, ease of use. Uh, I mean, I can get an eight-year-old on a deal on a DA and, and have them go to town, you know, risk-free uh, where with a rotary, it takes, you know, a lot more training to get it, uh, get it down. Uh, Alex Russell, what do you hear around the industry? Um, when, when you've talked to different people on your podcast, uh, where are people today on, on correction, you know, is it a is it a thing that is as heavy over the past six months as it was five years ago, or do you see that uh, people are kind of moving more as what David was saying into that one step all on one? No, I think I think it goes the other way. I mean, I think you know, it's it's full correction or or bust. Um, you know, the mentality um, or the ego. As, as you guys were talking about is, you know, I can't, I can't just do a quick polish job. I can't, I can't just do a one step. It's, you know, full on everything. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, there's even, you know, I know you guys were talking about this, you know, before, um, you know, with the sanding, you know, that, that guys, they get into, there's a couple of little scratches that like Dave said, you know, you could maybe knock down, but the ego gets in the way and they're going to sand it. And then they sand a couple of scratches. And like Nick said, you know, and now the panel doesn't look right compared to the other panels. So now they got to do another panel and then they got to do another panel. And then the whole, you know, they're doing the whole car and then they're cutting it down. And so no, I think, I think the, the ego is, is getting in the way and people are going full on um, with it. Uh, versus kind of stepping back and, and doing one step type deals or, or quick, you know, um, you know, the, the Kilmer one and a half step or whatever that some of us have adopted. <laughs> hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. The hybrid, the, I call it the hyper polish, whatever. So what you think it's just, and this is something that Nick and I have talked back and forth. Like <laughs> we've been curious, like why, 
why do people want to just put out the high end full corrections? Because I, you know, as I, David, this is how this kind of conversation started was a post that I had made in detailing for money. And, and you chimed in with some really great information. And, and as Nick and I chat back and forth, we've, we've been wondering what it is that, why do guys think that they have to chase that level? It, where does it end up? Well, I, I like to be devil's advocate on both arguments. Um, and I usually attack that when somebody makes a, a blanket statement of, you have to do full paint correction when you do a ceramic coating. No, you don't. And then the whole have to. That's where I, I jump on. David, and I'm with don't. you, but you know, there's, there's, there's brands that are multi-level coating brands that, I mean, they mandate that. <laughs> I'd love to see their, their paint finishes before they well, go. But in order to get their warranty that you so supposedly had to have and supposedly had to get this territory and have this warranty, you have to do full paint corrections. And I've got guys after that, after that, you know, you chimed in, there was a lot of people chiming in. I got messages directly. There, there's people that have been, they, and this is why I use the word pigeonhole. They have pigeonholed themselves into only doing full corrections and coatings. And they did not know that they, they literally go away. You know, it was almost like the, the blinds got lifted over and suddenly the, the, you know, the, the wolf wasn't, you know, the sheep wasn't the wolf or whatever, you know, it was like, it was like this big mind blown moment where they go, I don't understand. I thought I had to do a full correction and they spent the entire day fully correcting a car that, you know, listen, I, the, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I made that change. I also, at one point when I got into, into coatings and got into the world of, you know, doing those big high ticket items, I, I went through full corrections and my customers looked at the car and got in and went, thanks. It looks great. Yeah. I, you know, like I, I mean, I, I get the need for me because we chased a lot of stuff. For hours, we would just continue to chase it. But then the customer would just get in the car like we didn't really spend all night. Now, the, the, the trick is when, right? Like, Because I think that's what you talked about, David. Like knowing the customer, knowing the behavior, knowing who they are. And, and I get it on a big, right? If you're going to do those longevity right these quote unquote that are gonna long right <laughs> yeah but the majority of customers the majority of people that we could grab as an industry as each of us inside the community as us as detailers is that one two three year mark and yeah, those customers will be on that yeah those customers there's absolutely no reason to spend the time energy and effort doing full level correction where we're trying to hit 95% and above when you're right, the technology in a one step, yeah. being able to use one pad, one product, go around a car and then put down a one, two, three year product. I mean, well, even, even before you put down a ceramic coating on a car, you need to interview your customer and you need to ask them, how do you plan on maintaining this car? How have you maintained cars in the past? You have a black car. It's a black, you know, expedition. Do you really think in the wintertime you're going to hand wash this thing? 
how realistic is it to do a full correction and ceramic coating on that on that vehicle for a customer that isn't going to take care of it you know beyond point 365 days a year it's not all right, Caleb uh, from Luminous, thanks for hopping in, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come in. He's a guy that had reached out and we started talking about it. So Caleb had a, an interesting story that I'm glad he was able to come on. And Caleb, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you, buddy. Cool, man. Tell us your story. What uh, what brings you to the pub? Well, um, we were talking on the phone earlier and I was going over my plans that I had with you. And um, one of the things we talked about was that um, trying to bring in um, more business and reaching out to the people that are not really interested in going full on correction, polishing, not really worried about the, the swirling and stuff like that. But the main thing with them is they're wanting the protection. They want the ease of maintenance. They just want it to shine and look good and be easy to wash, you know. But Nick, where's the hang up, right? There's got to be a level, you know, like he's saying, there's there's people that just want that. But then where do we as professionals draw the line? And, you know, when do we offer just what the customer wants or when we really think that we should suggest to them what they need? I think everybody's going to miss what guys like David and Alex and everyone always says the Jason Kilmers of the world, they always miss the, the, the story. And what Caleb's talking about is, is that there's a lot of people that just want the ceramic lifestyle without, you know, the champagne budget of it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, 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 it's just the reality. And, and again, how many times has David said in the last 45 minutes, know your customer. Uh, if you're doing fleet work, uh, wholesale work, I'm not selling ceramic. Okay. If I'm doing a mom's Honda Odyssey, which are pretty damn pricey for a mom to pay for, and she just wants some protection. Does she want a correction? I don't know. I've, I've always told people this story. We have a guy here locally and in every city in the world, that's a wash and wax guy we, who does good quality wash and wax work, makes six figures a year. And has been for 25 years, you know, here locally, like just great at doing it. Wash and wax, wash and wax. Why did we get away from it? Well, we got away from it because a quartz and those types of coatings, early ceramic pro coatings, you know, those coatings were so difficult to work with. So insane with their thickness and you needed a chisel to get them off. What hasn't caught up is the, the mentality that ceramic technology has changed that now it is possible to put a one-year ceramic on a car, quality, give somebody real ceramic protection without having to go crazy on the car. Because you used to be able to get a wax to bond or a sealant to bond. Ceramic coating bonds much easier than those products, actually. that It's a much easier bonding technology for ceramic. So to say that I could get a sealant and a wax to bond, but I can't get a coating to bond, tells me you don't understand the chemistry of a coating. It's much easier to get a coating, solvent resin delivered coating to bond than a carnauba wax to bond because it's a natural product on an unnatural surface. And now we have an unnatural product on an unnatural surface. Those are going to pair up a little bit easier than a, than a natural carnauba. Okay. Which is why carnauba, not only from a temp perspective, 
it would deteriorate, but it's not a great, they didn't have a bunch of great bonding agents to the surface, no matter how clean you got it. And people that want to kind of nerd out, that is, that is the reality. <laughs> Ceramic technology allows things to bond to the surface better. Okay. So you don't have to go to insane lengths to get ceramic to bond. So the argument is, do I want a three or five year coating that's, that's semi-permanent almost on an imperfect surface that I haven't corrected? I don't think so. We've never advocated for that. But a one-year ceramic that will wear off the surface because it's not so high in active ingredient is a perfect way for somebody to get to experience a ceramic coating on their car and not have to spend you know, $1,500 at an entry point. So I, I just think that people haven't caught up mentally with where the technology is right now. Caleb, is that what you're finding? Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much. Um, my, my thing was, you know, like, like you're saying, a lot of people don't want to go to, you know, a detail shop and spend, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand bucks on something like that. When in reality, they're most people are switching cars yearly, if not, you know, by bi biannually. So for them to just want something for six months to a year, you know, it's way more beneficial to them. You know, even though everybody wants, you know, as detailers, they want that, oh, I want to do a uh, full correction, I want to do three, five, you know, seven year coding when, you know, the people are, there's, there's only so many people that are looking for that. Agreed. I agree. All right. Let's switch it up a little bit. Let's go to Nick. What is cooking with Nick looking like tonight? If he can hear us, I think he's talking to Nick's mom. Hopefully Nick's mom will come in the picture. That's always fun. We like it when Nick's mom comes in the picture. All right. Looks like he's hollering at somebody. He's got us on mute. All right, so David, uh, when w you would probably find it interesting, we've got another Porsche specialist in the uh, in the pub tonight. Oh, cool! Yeah, uh, Brandon from Shawshank. Uh, he's quite the Porsche guy himself. He's working on mostly new Porsches. So um, this would be, you know, kind of tying into what we talked about a second ago. What's the difference like when we look at older Porsches to newer Porsches? We know that. Porsche paint is very tricky, very interesting. Um, well, where do you guys associate the past, the '90s, the 2000s, to Porsche paints today? I don't have a, I don't have, I don't have a difficulty doing new or old. Um, I find them very um, workable. Um, whether they're a paint to sample, whether they're a line produced car, um, you don't see them completely trashed like you would a Ford. You know, focus, um, but I, I like working on new animal personally. Uh, soft, hard. What soft do you like to use on opinion. it? Um, well, you know, how far? Yeah. Uh, we were talking at the same time. I apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I find them soft to medium. Yeah. What do you like to use? How how far do you go? What uh, what speeds? What pad? Um, well, are we talking old single stage, old clear coat? There's a lot of there's a lot of different variables. Uh, it depends on the car. I mean, after 
you measure it, you inspect it, you know, a history about the car. I mean, I'll, I'll have a car that, um, you know, from the nineties that has been sitting away and has, you know, 200 miles on it. Um, so it all depends the environment it's lived in. If somebody had, I had a, I had a black, you know, uh, nine 11 where the guy kept it in his, um, in his living room. And he used to wipe it down with quick detailer. It never saw the light of day, but he used to invite his friends over. This guy was in Sweden, by the way. He used to invite his friends over all the time. And they used to sit in the car to watch the races. That's how crazy it was. So and every time, yeah, just really weird guy. Um, he used to wipe the car down with quick detailer. Oh my God, the car was just filled with silicone. So every car is different and every car is a store. Um, you know, the best thing when you're dealing with cars of that nature where you're doing heavy corrections is making sure the paint is clean. So you're, you're, you're attacking a, a clean surface. Um, my first go-to product is like a Rupa's yellow wool pad with a yellow DA polish. That's where I get a, you know, kind of a gauge of how it's correcting you know, if it doesn't correct at all, then I'll do another pass and then see where I'm at with that. Again, I'd rather slowly chop it down than, than go with a dedicated compound, dedicated compounding pad, and even with a, a rotary. So take it easier, usually. Yeah, definitely. All right, Brandon from Shawshank, as you're working with the newer Porsches and working with the dealership, how are you finding the paint? Is it necessary for a brand new vehicle to get a full correction is really what we're diving into, right? Like what are you seeing? Because you're heavy into body shop world too. You got your hands on a lot of different vehicles. Um, your new Porsches that are coming to the dealership. How far do you take them? Because they're new, uh, the customer wants to see them new. They don't want to see them damaged. Uh, so the paint correction is a necessity on the new car preps. If there's an issue, I got to take care of it. It's a brand new $200,000 car. The guy doesn't want to see squirrels or scratches on it. Um, but when I do used cars and stuff, that's a different story. But for a new car prep, it's got to look it's got to look the part of being a new car. All right, so walk us through that a little bit. What goes in on a new car prep? How, how far do you go? I mean, what is... What does that mean? It, it depends. They've been pretty heavily damaged at port recently when they're sitting there a long time. So most of the time, unfortunately, I'm polishing out water spots, water etchings, uh, sometimes bird droppings. There's little swirls. I've been seeing a lot of buffer trails recently. So someone's buffing them with a high speed rotary at port. So you got to take care of that. So it's anything from, uh, you know, wet sanding to compounding to polishing or just cleaning. It really varies. How far do you go on the sanding? Because that's something we talked about. You know, what's the interesting part of degrading and removing, you know, a clear coat that we can't ever add back to, you know, how, how do you, I'm just literally, how do you defend the need to, to sand down a, a brand new vehicle? It's when there's uh, some issues in the clear coat, let's say, so they have a lot of wrappings on them to protect them. And sometimes the, the residue is actually etched into the clear coat and it doesn't buff out. You got to sand some of that out and buff it. I don't go crazy because like you said, it's new paint. You don't want to change the, the texture of the paint. You don't want to be chasing the texture around the whole car. You're just trying to make sure you get everything out and make it look right. All right. Um, any, 
tips or info to the community on uh, on how to decipher that? I think that's that's part of where I think there's some confusion. You know, when when do I know that I need to do quote unquote a full correction? Because there's people that say you have to do it on every vehicle. But yeah, I don't. But what I think everybody's saying tonight is no. You you got to know your customer, and you got to know your vehicle. So in your in your words of wisdom, how do we decide when to do it and when not to? So I, um, when I started out, I was pigeonholed into that. And I always thought everything had to be perfectly corrected. Uh, you're going to code it, Mr. Customer. I think we should make it perfect before it's coded. I, I was that guy. Um, now I kind of, why the past year or two, I've been kind of going more the way of what does the customer see? Okay, what right, do you see why, when you're looking at the paint? Why, why were you that way? Um, I kind of pigeon myself into that hole. Now all my customers knew me for the correction guys. So that's what they came, that's what they wanted. And when you tried to ask what they wanted or what they saw in the paint, they would always come back, no, you're the expert. I just want it perfect. So I, I kind of put myself into that corner. But that's something a lot of us want to go after. That's yeah. why I'm asking. It wasn't so much, listen, I mean, I'm coming at, I'm not, I was about to say, I'm coming with you, not at you. Like I, I'm trying to yeah. to help pull out that, you know, why did you do it? Because I think there's a lot of people that get into that too and they pigeonhole themselves. That's one of the things we talked with David pretty heavily. So, you know, walk us through. I mean, it, was that from a YouTube video? Was that from a brand? Was that, you know, what led you down that journey? I think it was because I was just that way with my own car. Um, and it just kind of transferred over when I started doing it for a living. It just kind of went with me. I learned a lot of wet sanding and buffing because I had a car that was lowered and it would take the paint off the wheel well. So I'd have to fill it in with touch up paint, keep leveling it out, sand it out, buff it. And I would do it over and over and over again. I would touch up every little spot, level it out and I guess customers knew me for that. And it just kind of came along with the territory. Huh. David, do you hear that quite a bit that uh, people just kind of get into it and they just kind of keep rolling and it just is what it is, but you took a change, right? Nick took a change. There's a lot of people that took changes in their journey. Well, I'll go back to it. Your customers change. So you got to be able to change with your clientele. I mean, the client, the client that I'm working for now is in the, you know, one one hundredth of the one millionth percentile of what we do. Um, thank God every customer is like that. Um, so you have to know your customer. Um, what's unfortunate is I post a lot of these, you know, nth degree, you know, operations that I do on Facebook and I'll get messages from people and be like, hey, I want you to do that to my car. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's 35 grand. Oh, oh no, no. Don't you have like a, a $2,000 special? No, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe for your wheels. <laughs> so it's, it's, you're setting a false narrative sometimes when you're doing such high-end work um, because not everybody wants it and not everybody wants to pay for it. It takes time to do that stuff. And most customers don't understand that. I've noticed it kind of scares people away too. Um... Yeah, so that's why I started to reach out more for, you know, every customer. I even advertised, hey, you know, we specialize in high-end cars, but we also work on daily drivers. 
um, because people would be like, oh, I, yeah, I know your work. It's great, but I drive a Honda. Well, that doesn't matter. Like, I want to work on your Honda, too. Um, and it would kind of scare people away seeing all the high-end work all the time on my social media. Yeah, minivans don't get any likes. Don't you know that? Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing that John and I agree on is you never see a clean minivan. <laughs> Just my wife. <laughs> John, man, thanks for hopping on. Good to see you. How's everything yep. going with you out in Arizona? Whew. You know, we're finally getting a, a little bit of a, a cool down break. You know, when I say, you know, it's 105, you know, that's a cool down. Trust me, it's it's good. It, it, we're getting a breather out here. Listen, John, I had to put a hoodie on this morning to get in the gym. Oh, shut up. Like, I'm with you, man. It It's getting pretty chilly over here. Oh, yeah. Wow. So how's good. the week? How's the week been? Do you, do you normally do a lot of heavy correction uh, or, or what's your take as a, a mobile detailer? Do you know, do you, do you try and push people into corrections? Do you like to so, get in and out? Do you like one steps? Where are you at? You know, I, I have actually had to retrain myself um, because I used to do a lot of corrections where I would go and chase it and chase it and chase it and try to get perfection. Um, and then I started working on some of the newer vehicles that the paint was a little softer and the more you chased it, the harder it became. Um, so I kind of switched my own mentality um, and I had to do a lot of changing my own perspective of start asking the clientele more or less what they see, what they want, because what they want, they're using certain keywords like paint corrections and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you don't really know what that is if you're not telling me what the problem is with the paint what are you seeing and so i finally just kind of went back to so my grandfather always said you always buff you always polish you always correct it as much as you possibly can end of story that's just how it was always told to me but he said we're never chasing perfection unless they're gonna drop the money down face down right off the bat and we have the time to do it versus on our time not on their time um so i stopped chasing the correction of because when you start chasing the 100% perfection and correction, uh, then you could really, if you are a true perfectionist, then you start wasting a lot more time. And in this world, uh, time is money. And I love personally doing one-step corrections because I can get in, get out, throw uh, a one-year, two-year coating on and make uh, literally twice in one day than sometimes I've made on some of the corrections I've done. So I like personally switching it to, you know, hey, let's do a single step correction on it and get that polish done, wipe it down, get a coating on it, call it good. And All right, so John, Ooh. I, I want to I interrupt because I, I think that's super interesting. Here's where I, I would really love this conversation to go and I want this to jump around the room. Um, I want us to define correction, right? Okay. I mean, there's... I. As, as I, yeah, Brandon, I know we'll, we'll all go around. Let's all define it how we see correction because as, like I said, I mean, and a lot of my story and I've been pretty open about it, right? I mean, it, it was, it was heavy when I was going to get into multi-levels and, and I, I had to do all this correct. And I was chasing perfection for daily drivers, for Range Rovers, for Mercedes, for, you know, high-end clientele but they drove the vehicles. They might have four of them, but they drove them on a regular basis. So I was achieving and working so hard into this idea that I was told that I need to do 
Um, and then as the podcast started growing, we started meeting some new people. We started realizing not everybody did full corrections and achieved 95 plus percent. And there was this term that started evolving and we put it out pretty heavily from the podcast with Justin Lobato on pain enhancement because he was the first person that I remember hearing and I go, oh, that makes sense, right? But now there's the massive confusion, I think, in the overall industry when I'm in groups, right? Uh, not Alex Russell, but the other Alex, even Alex Russell and, and, and pain assassins. There's confusion around what is paint correction? What is paint enhancement? And I, I, I think that would be really interesting. So I, I'm just going to go around the room. I'm going to start up here, and I'm going to go around. How do you define paint correction? Brandon from Shawshank. Yeah, I was listening to uh, you guys' podcast talking about that the other day, and I was kind of laughing in my head while I was working, thinking about it. The word itself is the explanation. You're correcting paint. Like, I don't think there's a lot of explanation into it. And the other day I was telling you, uh, this guy, Barry McGuire, I was talking to, and he told me he came up with the term. And he's like, yeah, because it makes sense, right? You're just correcting the paint. And I don't know what other explanation there would be. That's why it's called that, right? Am I wrong by making that statement? No. No, no. I mean, I mean, what's paint in hand? Do you, do you always correct? We're all paint? correcting. Well, John, we'll get, I mean, we'll go around. I did like, what's your thoughts? Do you always correct? Is there an enhancement? Where do you, well, where do you lay on that fence? Well, just like anything else, there's no black and white. There's different levels of correction, but yeah, no matter if you're correcting it fully or just slightly correcting some of it, it's, you're just correcting the paint, right? Cool. Alex yeah. Russell. All right. So Nick and I had like a two hour phone conversation last week about all this. Um, so I, I think Brandon's right. Right. I mean, any, anytime you do anything, you're, you're correcting the paint. Um, enhancement kind of falls into that line too, because I mean, if you're correcting the paint you're enhancing the paint, um, I typically, and this is what I told Nick and, this kind of led us down the, the rabbit hole of terminology is I typically associate enhancement to anything that I'm putting on the paint, a wax, a sealant, a coating, because to me that enhances the paint, that enhances the gloss, enhances the shine, enhances the color, enhances. Um, and I know a lot of people you know, use the term pain enhancement for like a quick one step kind of deal or, you know, whatever. Um, Bruno hates that term enhancement. Um, <laughs> he thinks it doesn't work right. So, I mean, honestly, I think, I think enhancement, I think correction can mean whatever you want it to mean because, because everybody has their own term about it. And that's, that's what Nick and I were talking about is, what I might call a correction might be an enhancement to somebody else just because we don't have the terminology set into place for everybody to kind of be on the same level. So anything you do where you're, where you're removing whatever on a paint can be considered correction. I mean, even if you're just doing very minimum basic light oxidation, you're, you're correcting the paint. So I think Brandon said it right. 
Cool. David. Well, my opinion is this. Correct, paint correction is the broadest, most general term that you can use for any time you are altering the look of paint. Um, that could be leveling scratches. That could be um, a mid-range polish, a one-step polish, an all-in-one. If you are doing a glaze, that's paint correction because you probably change the paint, the way it looks, the way it, if it's darkened, if it's glossier. Um, I wouldn't say that the protection aspect or an LSP, whether it be a wax, a sealant, or a coating is part of the paint correction aspect. But anytime you are mechanically um, working over the paint to correct, to gloss up, um, it's the general term of paint correction. And I think all those little subsections go under paint correction. Um, and by the way, paint enhancement, from my knowledge, was a term that was coined by Bob Willis um, from California in, gosh, probably the late 2009 to 2010 area. Um, that's when he started using that term on, on some of his things he was doing. That's the first time I've ever seen that, that term. Um, or when, if you jewel paint or if you glaze paint, again, it's all paint correction. Um, so hey, jewels, we haven't heard the word jewel in a long time. That used term, to be the thing to say you're jeweling out paint. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a term that Todd Helm created. Um, jeweling it like a, like a fine piece of metal or gold. Yes. Yeah. And you know, it, and it was, it was the, when you jewel paint, you use two products. You used um, either 85RD from Menzerna or you used 3M um, Ultrafina. Those are the two products you used to jewel after you've corrected, after you've mid-range polished. And it was done always with a rotary buffer. That's the jeweling aspect. And a black pad. Well, it depends. They, the, the softest pad was a, a gold CCS pad that you used to, uh, to put on sealants you know, a wax applicator pad. If you use that, you know, with a, with a rotary, I mean, it doesn't get softer than that. You know, no mechanical abrasion at all there. I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're scouring the paint to, to some degree, but yeah, it's, it's all paint correction in my opinion. Nick. Simple. With today's abrasives, even old school abrasives, if a, if, a, if a pad is touching the surface with an abrasive, it's removing something, it's correcting something. This is why, and I think it's gained popularity since we started talking about this two years ago, I've always believed in percentages. You know, there's percentages to paint correction. 25% correction is still correction. Why would I say paint enhancement? I don't understand that. It's just a confusing, it's a marketing term more than it is honesty. Okay. And I have no problem with, with marketing terms, but now it's infiltrated and screwed up the terminology and you seem to know the guy. So if we could call him and say, Hey dude, you kind of fuck things up. That'd be nice. But, uh, I'm just kidding. Um, the, uh, 
but there's just a percentage to it. You know, there's just a percentage. That's all. <laughs> there's just a, that's the way I've always looked at it. You know, you're going to get some level of correction now with the one step situations we have, there's no doubt you're getting some level of correction at all times. What that is, is different for every paint system and every polish and pad combo you're using. Um, we gotta though, get a definition of this. And we've been talking about this the last few weeks and guys like Alex and I, Marty and I, and we're all publicly starting to talk about this. We got to standardize this to some degree because what happens is when you don't have standards, we got 50 different definitions. So I've always thought the percentage thing was the easiest way to look at it. I'm going to get some level of cut at all times. What's that level? That's the way to go. And there's a big difference between people that can actually achieve up to 90% and those that can go over the 90% correction uh, threshold. It's one of the things that's frustrating me about the coding business is they just assume everybody that gets certified to put a coating on can get the 95 to 100% correction. If we all agree that there's very few really, really great paint correction people, then how are all these people getting to 95% and above correction? So I do think we need to make that distinction. It's very difficult to get true, no haze, 95% and above correction. So when coding companies are telling you to get there, I've probably come across not that many people that can get there, to be honest. That's Concore level work. Uh, we need to be honest about what that last five plus percent looks like. Because let me tell you, from 95% to 100%, that's about 10,000 a clip for that 5%. It's yeah. a lot of money. Okay. So we need to be very careful about talking about that level of correction and restoration, because I really put that last 5% into restoration type paint correction that very few customers are going to shell out the money for. So that's, I make the distinction by percentages. I don't, I don't think I go away from paint correction any other way. Uh, John I, Reinshine. I, I, I agree with Nick. I'm big on the percentages. Um, um, how I've finally based it myself is I have finally said, you know, when I asked the client, what do you want to achieve when it comes to percentage? You know, how do you want it to look versus how it looks now? Um, and when they tell me I want it to look over 80%, then I, I tell them in my terminology, I tell them, I said, then you're not chasing paint correction, you're chasing paint perfection. Because I, I, I agree that anything over 95%, um, you're being misled. Um, and you're best definitely being misled if you think that it, I'm going to do it for 300 bucks. It, it's just, so where I've pushed back on other detailers and stuff like that and other places that, you know, become open. I, I don't follow the book. I, I, I'm very open. And I say, you know, we all got to be kind of standard across the board because there's always going to be a cheaper guy that does great work. And there's always going to be the cheaper guy that does crap work. And it's, it's hard to compete in the middle, but I don't want to compete with those guys. What I do is I want to be honest and I'd rather tell my clients, Hey, we can get, you know, 80%, you know, and this will look a heck of a lot better. So look brand new, better than a showroom. Because when you brought it to me, this looked like crap, but anytime in my, my opinion, anytime you're putting uh, a pad to a vehicle, you're causing friction. And anytime you're causing friction, you're causing a change in the paint in some way. So you are correcting it. So I, I believe that anytime you're putting a polisher on it, um, you're, you're correcting it. But uh, if people are looking for anything over 75 to 80%, in my opinion, I tell them they're trying, you know, they're not chasing paint 
you know, correction, they're, they're, they're going for the perfection because that's what they're being told should happen. And I've lost jobs because I've told them you're not willing to pay for that perfection. So I'm not your guy. Have a good day. I got something to go back on what Nick was saying about, about the, the percentages, right? So, you know, that you're talking about that 5%, but realistically, what's to say that my 85, 90% correction, what's that going to be for a guy like Dave, right? That might be a 65%. I mean, you know, like, just level of work, what I might think is, is a, a super high percentage of correction, you know, then you take it to a guy like Dave or, you know, a guy like Eddie Fusa, Todd Helm, you know, it might not be as high of a percentage. So that's another way to look at it too, is um, on your percentages. Yeah. Are you correcting? Is that percentage for correction? Is well, yeah, that yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like Nick, like Nick was saying, like you know, and even and even John, like right, like over that eighty percent, like John was saying, you're getting into paint perfection, right? So, so like a John or myself or whoever, our eighty percent, you know, for a guy like you, Dave, that might only be sixty five percent or seventy percent, just because of what the level that you're doing versus the level we're doing. Right. I mean, you said it before, I still don't take offense to it, but you said that I probably only do one eighth of the detail work that you do. So yeah, but what, gonna... but what point does Dave and I've been in Dave's shoes with cars. So I'll ask this question to Dave. I'd love to get it. I think there's a big difference between detailing and restoration. Sounds yeah. like a lot of stuff that Dave is doing We'll get into all, and Eddie Fusa is the same way. That's more restoration work right. on a lot of scales. And, you know, paint corrections are restorative detail, are a restorative type, you know, we have restorative type detailing services like paint correction. But when you're really going for restoration, I think you're talking a whole different terminology in a lot of cases for those restoration details. I mean, you don't have the same expectation on a new Porsche that you have on somebody that's paying 35,000 on a Porsche restoration. Do you, Dave? No. Well, I mean, that same client could have the, that brand new Porsche that he wants done. But I mean, when I, when I think of the term full correction in my world, that means going after every swirl possible in the door jams under the hood, actually underneath the hood, meaning the underside of a hood, underside of a trunk panel, um, you know, every surface that is, uh, that you can see, we're going after the appearance in every single way, parts of the motor, um, you know, the wheel wells we're correcting, um, you know, everything is getting the best possible appearance you can go after. We're disassembling the complete entire car. I, I'm not sorry, I'm not gonna say complete entire car. Um, the underside, sometimes suspension. Um, we're taking bumpers off, lights, all that stuff. So we're cleaning behind stuff that you don't see. So, I mean, it's such a general term when someone says full correction. I mean, are you correcting the backsides of wheels? Um, are you scrubbing the tires with thinner um, and picking the rocks out of the treads? I mean, to what extent do we really go when we say yeah. full or complete and, that, and I mean, that's why i was getting that David, restoration I'll, yeah yeah I'll, I'll put some coating on the door jams 
to help those motherfuckers out, but you you're correcting, yeah. you're correcting door jams. Yeah, the underside that you don't. I mean, if it's ever on a hoist and someone's looking up at at a door that's open, that thing's that's gonna a- look perfect. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's what you would call Concours restoration, basically. Well, I mean, I mean you look at Concours, cars and Concourses aren't even to that no, high no. level. But Concours guys, you know, Eddie Fusa, this is what he's built his career on. You know, he's basically, there are levels to Concours detailing as well. Uh, a lot of Concours cars are swirled up and they're not cared for. But the guy's really trying to add value to their resale of a Ferrari, classic Ferrari. Those have been gone through bolt by bolt by bolt. And every piece of chrome has been polished, engine or not. Um, you know, so again, we can get into the weeds on that. And I, I really take Alex's point seriously. He's right. There does become, in the eye of the beholder, I can see haze that a lot of guys that are five years in can't see. And that would knock you down five or 10 points in my book because haze on a black paint, hey, that's part of correction. That's why I always say I've met very few people that can get the 95% and above. Just doesn't, I'm just telling you, it's very difficult because there's so much that goes into it. The clarity, the look, the finish, how many defects are in there or not in there. And, I, and a lot of, it's very tough to have that discerning eye. And I'm sure David can, can speak to that as well as, as everyone else. But Alex is right. Everybody's percentage is going to be a little bit different. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to do it the one the, the waters get even muddier. Thanks, Alex <laughs> Russell. Appreciate that. All right, Caleb from Luminous. How do you define correction? After hearing all of that, I don't think there's yeah, right. To say. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, what I will say though. Um, is like 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 they're saying everybody has their own definition of correction and you know i too like to go off percentages but you know as they're saying as well i don't like to uh to say numbers higher than you know 85 percent just because you know you are chasing perfection after that and a lot of the times the customer is not going to pay you know for you to invest that much time into chasing every little defect but i've had customers come to me and when they hear correction, and I don't know if any of you guys have heard it, you know, you might have, but they'll come to me and they'll say, okay, so is this part of correction? You know, and they'll point at rock chips. They'll, they'll say, uh, oh, I have this big old gash right here. Can you, can you correct that? You know, I don't know. Have, you, have any of you guys ever had a customer come to you like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, yeah, like they're saying, you, you got to be honest and, you know, you have to have a, a, a good, how would I say? Uh, knowledge. knowledge. Yeah, good knowledge and a good, a good definition of that word to be able to explain to the customer what you mean by correction. Okay. Okay. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. All right. Uh Alex, not Alex Russell. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm one that um, definitely has gone along with the, the one step um, being more of an enhancement. Um, I sell that to a lot of daily drivers that are getting, you know, a two, three, four year coding. Um, and I, I basically just explained it as it's going to get get rid of the hazing, minor swirls, 
stuff like that. It's not going to get rid of, you know, deeper defects. Um, and then get, getting it to correction. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a very, very broad term. And an enhancement is a correction. Um, but that a, a correction, in my opinion, can go all the way from, like you said, rock chips, scratches, wet sanding. I mean, you can go as deep as you want with that. Um, so, the, so, Alex, and what have you seen? Because you're pretty heavy in the groups, right? So what do you think the overall industry from people that make these comments and I know I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit, but I, it is what it is. That's what I do. What, what, I mean. <laughs> All right, enough of that. It's getting creepy now, Marty. <laughs> why? <laughs> like, what? why is it that people do it? What, what do you mean? Why do they do what? Well, like you said, I mean, and what everybody keeps saying, know the customer, tell the customer, but you and I are in a bunch of different groups. We're in all these different, like, we see a lot of people that try and put out that that's all they do is these full corrections and that's there's lights yeah. and showing all this, like why? So I, I honestly, I think, so you have the, you have the car washer aspect, right? You know, doing the interior details, just grimy, nasty shit. Um, and then you have the, the corrections are kind of where people feel like they, they made it or they, they get some kind of clout for it. Um, Cause it's, it's clean work. It's cool. You're using cool tools um I, I think that's that's mostly it um a lot of these guys are buying rupet what <laughs> a lot of these guys are buying rupes and shit just just for the clout like it has nothing to do like they may have never corrected a car in their life Alex, but it's a cool it's careful. a cool thing to david's do david's a big rupes guy you're gonna cause a fire no no i i am too i dude <laughs> i i have i have a shelf full of them here i have my vans full of them the shop's full of them <laughs> don't back down don't back down <laughs> No, I, I love them. I have everyone they, they made, man. I, I love Rupes. Um, yeah, I think I think it's it's the most talked about discussion in groups because it's it's cool. But where does cool can some, end hey, up? Can somebody tell Rupes to get my four machines fixed? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. And for me, just enhancement is just a very easy way for me to explain to people like, Hey, this, this package is going to include an enhancement. And, and I use my judgment on each specific car, how far I want to go to get it to where I want it. And I think the customer, the client's going to be satisfied. Um, and to touch really quick, I like having to, to correct the car for coatings. Um, my biggest thing is I don't want a car driving around that's swirl to shit that looks good to the, to my client. But then they're all telling right. all their friends like pa, pa, I, I I'm with you. I'm gonna come I'm yeah. let me come right back to that. Okay. I, I wanna go to Nick and find out what's cooking with Nick, and I'm gonna go to Tuscan Dave. But I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was the exact next thing that I was gonna ask. Because yeah, yeah. that is the thing that I hear. But what if I put a car out and then this customer's friend is in a garage looking at it and that friend points out something? Then my name is on it. Yeah. It's a fear. It's Absolutely. a it's a predominant fear that we we hear on a regular basis. So I'm glad you mentioned that. But let me come back to you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna come right back to you on that. Okay. All right. Perfect. All right, Nick. Cooking with Nick. Uh, on, what have you been up to tonight, man? What's what's been on the menu? So tonight we are making sausages, aka hot dogs. Um, chili dogs, really. 
So Mama made some chili the other night. I'll show right here. Big old pot of chili. I had. Hey, listen, it's getting fall. I know John from out in Phoenix has started to, uh, you know, feel that warm, warm air start Dude. to dissipate. Uh, <laughs> chili definitely comes into fall menus, so it does. I, I'm a fan. It does. But hey, I got a, I got something to say about this whole correction versus enhancement thing. Do we have time? Do you want to go through this? Go for it, man. Cool. I actually wrote some stuff down because oh, I've been thinking about this one for a minute. In my, in, in, okay, in my eyes, a correction is an enhancement, but an enhancement is not always a, enhancement is not always a correction. Correction to me is something that's permanent. When you take a polisher to a paint and you grind down that paint, that's permanent. You're not getting that paint back unless it is sprayed back on. An enhancement, something you're spraying on the paint, that's probably going to be temporary. A coating is kind of a gray area there because it's semi-permanent, lasts a while. In my eyes, a correction means a reduction of defects. When you enter fillers into that, you get into an even bigger area because fillers are reducing your defects. Like, yeah, they're filling in scratches and stuff, but that's temporary. So are you going to call something with fillers, you know, a glaze or whatever, are you going to call that an enhancement or are you going to call that a correction? Thank you for coming to my TED Talk, I, I guess. That, no, that's that's the big mystery, right? Like potato, potato. When I when it's I put out the, the the different the post today, I did it with David's face, kind of like blurry inside of another image, because this whole debate is it's so muddied. There's yeah. there's no clarity, right? Like there's there's nothing that's transparent about it. Yep. So I'm glad you said it that way, man. I, I really do appreciate it. All right, Dave, I wanted to hop over to you. You've been in the business quite a bit. Uh, where do you define correction? How is it that you do it in your business? How I do it in my, well, the business that I sold is totally different from the business of doing the high-end collector car work. So um, the collector car world, every possible defect is analyzed i guess you're you're going to do your your correction of the panel then you're going to kind of look at the section that you corrected and, and evaluate every single defect that hasn't been removed if there's an isolated scratch you may take a one inch and knock down that one single scratch instead of the whole area around it um i mean again every single area from edge to edge is being analyzed and you're going after everything that is possible to go after. Again, knowing the paint, knowing how it's responding to the first correction. Um, so in that world, it's totally different than what most detailers go after. Um, in the high volume world, or even when you have a higher volume shop doing retail work, you're not doing that. I mean, you're you're taping your your trim and you're just probably going no more than probably two passes meaning you know back and forth up and down wipe it back and forth up and down do it again but nothing beyond that um usually for high-end stuff out of the detail shop that i have um so it's all different depends on the car what they're after um 
I'm not sure if I answered you correctly. No, all good. All good. I just want to give everybody a chance to define correction. All right. Oh, so Alex coming, coming back to what you were saying now, go, go for it. Yeah. I, so ask your question. Yeah. So, so my biggest thing was, um, you know, when I, when I put out a car that that's especially ceramic coated, um, my fear is always, my client might be happy with it and we might, you know, the results that they want may not be super high end. They just want the protection. Uh, my fear is that when their friend sees it or somebody on the street sees it and they're bragging about, Oh yeah, I had, I had just had this coated at stellar. Um, you know, it doesn't it look great. And they're like, they, they see it the way we do, or you know what I mean? Um, they see it in certain lighting. I gave the client what they needed, what they wanted, but it's not up to my standard. And part of my, like that, and that, that can kind of fall back into branding too. Like we all have a certain image and, you know, a certain tier of professionalism that we want to achieve. Um, and I, I want the, the things that I produce to reflect that directly. Yeah, I like, and I said a second ago, and I'm going to open this up for, I'm not going to go ahead and call on people. I'm going to open this up for anybody to dive in. Um, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, give me 30 seconds, Dave, and you're right in. It, this is no doubt, Alex. I mean, I, I've seen it throughout groups when I put out stuff and, and talked about what customers see versus what we see. And, and, and Alex Russell has proven it saying that David's going to see more than we see. Like I get it. Right. Because so many people say that exact same story and 100%. I understand. I mean, as artists in the industry, we want what we put out to be beautiful. Right. I mean, we, we put our stamp on that car and we sign our autograph that that was our work. Yeah. And I think that's some of the hang up of correction because we think that because we did that 90 to 95% and then I can put my little autograph that it's going to stay that way. Right. And, <laughs> and we don't know, how much longer out until that customer's in the garage, right? We don't, we don't know uh, what lighting is in that garage that, you know, it's different from our lighting that we use these. Everybody, when I put out that post, David, that you started commenting on, one of the big things is somebody goes, and I had this really great dialogue with the guy. He goes, hey, uh, put, an, put a, 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 what a scan grip. Put a scan grip on it, and you'll see why you need to correct it. Motherfucker, I had it out in the direct sunlight. The customer told me that it didn't need anything. So it really does become, right, I have to then use the tools, not only that my eyes can't see it out in sun, then I bring it into a shop that has lighting around it. And as anybody that's followed Nick, um, has seen his struggle as he's putting together a shop, getting the right lighting. There's some people that can put in this really cool, like rent, like there's all kinds of lighting we can do in our shop. That's unbelievable. So that not only what we don't see in the sunlight where the average person is actively using their vehicle, enjoying their car life experience, but then when we bring it into our shop and use specific specific lighting 
And then even our specific lighting, our eyes aren't trained enough. So we have to go to a specialist to see even further so that just so in case when it's in a garage that doesn't have near the lighting and has maybe a single bulb out, um, maybe a couple lights around, but it's just a fluorescent or maybe it's just a, uh, I don't know, these new lights that you screw in that are hooked with Alexa and they're this really cool thing that way. But when that customer has a friend in a garage that randomly might have our skill set in the lighting that is specified to our industry listen i'm with you i like right i'm with you when is that possibility ever fully achieved i don't know i mean could it could it i agree it could happen just the same as it could happen that we could all start achieving 90 plus percent correction I don't know. I mean, it, it, well, that's what's so muddied and so crazy about this whole concept that we can correct pain. Well, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. So, so much of this industry, right, is about setting expectations for the client. We talk about it all the time. Every, anytime you go online or you talk to somebody about it, the number one thing is setting expectations. You can say, hey, this stain probably isn't going to come out. We can see what we can do with it with the included package but it might not come out. And if the stain comes out, great. If it doesn't, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, you guys, you did a great job. But if you say, hey, this is, yeah, we'll get all these out, no problem. And then there's a stain left over, you're fucked. Um, so this, this comes down to not only setting your client's expectations, you have to set your own expectations and you have to find that threshold. It, it might, you know, if you're doing what I'm, what I'm calling an enhancement for, you know, a one step or something, it might be, 50 to 60%, 50 to 70% enhancement for the daily driver, right? The, the Toyota Rob four that they want swirl marks gone from and, and, you know, a three-year coding, you have to set your own expectations to what you're happy with. Chances are, if, if you're satisfied sending the car out the door, most of the people that see it are going to be satisfied with it. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to send a car. I'm not going to code a car with no kind of enhancement. If, if, you know, if, if it's not up to my standard. Alex Russell. Um, okay. So a, a couple of things, I think. So when we talked about this with Dave on, on my podcast, what I think a lot of people don't understand what, what Dave was trying to, to talk about. And even my conversations with Nick, Nick kind of has the same thing is, is these like wash clay and, and coating jobs, right? They're not really meant for everything, right? It's that newer car, you know, that that has really no or no swirls or no whatever to it kind of deal. That's that's usually what what those guys are kind of talking about. If you got the 2009 Honda Civic that's black, you know, yeah, you're gonna have to do something to it kind of deal. Because I feel the same way. I don't want to put my name on something that just looks like garbage. And I don't care that if all the stars align in this guy's garage that the guy can see it or whatever, um, there's still that chance, right? All Typically- right, But Alex, hold on, because you you put a picture, you put a paper up just literally 15 minutes ago that Oh, said about egos. egos. Yeah, yeah, because- But then because, you just said, I don't wanna do this- Because, I, because of my ego, exactly. 
exactly. It's it's my it's my fight. It's my fight in this <laughs> industry because 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 I want to I want to be that guy that's like whatever, but I can't because of my ego. You you probably wouldn't be in this industry if you could. Right. So, so the one thing that I always look at when I do my anything, my, my hyper polish, my, my full corrections or whatever, I pull it out in the sun. Thankfully, I live in the state of Florida. It's sunny most of the time. Um, and to me, what I think nobody really touched on is, yes, our lights in their shops show every little imperfection. And that's what they're in our shops for, to help us correct that paint. But when you pull it out in the sun, it's pretty much going to wash out all that light stuff. Anything I would say 75% and above is going to wash out in the sun. Client's never going to see it. His guy next door, his buddy next door, whatever, is never going to see it. Hell, most detailers will never see it. What I do is I do a walk around video on my phone in the sun. And then I go inside my shop and I watch it because I feel my camera will pick stuff up that my eyes won't. So if I'm trying to get it at a better level or I'm trying to make sure I'm getting to a level, those are my processes. In the lights, out in the sun, walk around with a video, make sure that it's there before I'm gonna put whatever my topper is on it, especially with the ceramic coating because last thing you want, put the ceramic coating on it and then you pull it out in the sun and you noticed you missed a spot. <laughs> so. Um, I mean, that's what I do, but you're right. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's so hard to be freely about it because here's the thing. We talk about it all the time, right? Like it really only matters what the customer thinks, right? But if that were true, then there wouldn't be 5,000 different Facebook groups for detailing for people to post their work in. For everybody that knows what they're doing. We all want that pat on the back from our peers that understand what we went through to get to that level because the client doesn't. The client doesn't understand, Give a you know, the back breaking, bent over 10 hours, 12 hours, like Dave does, 100 hours, whatever, detailing. The client, like you said earlier, pulls up, hey man, looks great. How much do I owe you? Hops in the car, zooms down the road, goes right through that mud puddle that's still sitting there from when it rained last night and drives on home right? They, they don't understand that. So we, we understand it. We want that pat on the back from our peers. And unfortunately that's where the ego comes into. Fucking narcissists. Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. We try to we say we want to be honest with the client, but we got to be honest with ourselves because when a client comes in and says, I want this, 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 you already know what you're willing to do because if they're already setting a price, you already go, okay, well, shit, I'm only going to spend four hours in this thing. I know we're not going to achieve what they're wanting. So the bottom line is we got to drop the ego. And eventually we just have to be honest with ourselves. It's not just, we want to do a great job so that somebody else doesn't judge it. But I finally got to a point where I'm like, fine. Okay. There's always going to be some asshole out there that says, well, they did a shitty job. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, then bring it back to me. So my, my biggest thing is I tell every single client, you're only the asshole if you don't let me know first, if there's something wrong, I will truly stand behind it. But if you go somewhere else and somebody points it out and then you don't let me know, you're the asshole. Right. And the, I'm clear with that. I stay with that. The other thing that I like to use, I like to use the term um, defects. Um, 
so when I tell somebody, listen, this is going to be whatever percentage defect free, right? I'm not saying swirls. I'm not saying scratches. I'm saying defects because 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 let's face it, overspray can be a defect. Fallout can be a defect. So I like to use the term defect. So that way, if for some reason, especially when I do my my hyper polish, aka one and a half step, aka hybrid, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I tell clients it's good for 60 to 75% defect removal if there's still that one scratch or cluster of swirls or something that didn't come out because that's not part of the package. I can say, well, yeah, but look, you know, this is what 100% looks like. We've got it down to this. We're in that 60 75% defect removal. Um, I like that. And, and that's By what I right. And that's what I found because, again, you. If you say like, hey, I'm going to remove 75% of the scratches, the swirls, the micro marring, the DA haze, all that stuff, and you can't, you get yourself in trouble. So I just started using the term defect because then almost anything can be a defect. I oh, actually, yeah, no, no I, I caused that hazing. That's not a defect. I yeah, caused yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> actually, you, didn't pay, you didn't pay for me to polish it down. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually changed the wording. Um, all the, my different packages for paint corrections have a different name now because it is so confusing to clients. So, You're okay, you want a single stage press? polish? Do you want the swirl slayer? Do you want, <laughs> uh, you know, I forgot what the third one was, um, but then it goes up to like paint perfection service if you actually want me to sit and try to go for everything. So it's more clear to the client as opposed to just saying, oh, I'm doing a paint correction. I, I yeah, think that's a, a great idea. I kind of want to chime in. I listen to everybody and everybody's got a great you know, point of view and everybody comes from a different place. I think you get to a point, you ask yourself, what are the biggest shops with the most respect around the country doing? And I think a lot of people don't understand because they don't know those shop owners. They see a YouTube video, they see an Instagram, they see something like that. The biggest shop in the Midwest doing the highest end work is a guy that I know in a long time guy on the West coast with the biggest shop doing the most respected work I've done a long time. Let me tell you a fact. They're all doing dealership work. <laughs> so you want to talk about what your friend's going to see, what that friend's going to see. These guys have seven and eight figure businesses. They're not on Facebook groups. What everybody thinks is the truth from the internet isn't is 1% of the truth. The biggest shop in the Midwest doing the highest end work does 2,000 cars a year at a dealership where they're on site that drives their business. Yet they're telling you on the internet, they care about defects. They care about perfect paint. They care about doing all these things before a coating. That's the part that you see. And I'm not bashing. This is my friend. Like I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Their business is flourishing. They're adding to their space. They got 50 plus employees. At some point you have to ask yourself, what is important to you? If it is, Hey man, I want to go after perfect paint then go build that business. And, and that's the business you build. But if you're tricking yourself into believing that this is what high end people are doing, you don't know high end people. I have a customer with 10 Ferraris that will never pay any human being for a paint correction. Never in his life. You're not going to work on his Ferraris. 
Is that what people think they're going to do? What if this guy paid you $150 per wash and he wanted his car washed twice a week? You're not going to touch it? You're good. You're I, too good for that? Nope. I, I think perspective they, is important. Perspective is very important. Okay. And I screwed it up a lot in my career, by the way. I'm not in judgment of anybody else that has the perspective that they have. But what you think high-end shops are doing and what they're actually doing are two very different things. There is no successful shop that isn't doing dealership work that's been around a long time. Now, maybe a level of dealership work. They may be doing different types. And I'm talking about guys making seven, eight figures. I'm not talking about a guy making 550000 at a shop. Okay. I'm talking about guys making 99, 9.5 million a year. Okay. My personal belief and everyone that I've met and the reputable ones that I know, they're doing some level of, of, of wholesale work. They may be getting good dollar for it more than most shops, but they're having people feed them and they aren't sending out just perfect cars. And I think it's important that everybody getting their start in this business understand that guys doing it 15, 20 years They've learned the tricks of the trade. They've gotten over their ego and they're doing really great work for the people that are paying them at that time. And some of it may be collection level work and some of it may be quick one steps with, with a one-year coding. Uh, so I think what your client pays for in the end is the most is what you need to be most worried about and delivering a great result to that client. And that'll go a long way. And you know what, if their friend sees it and their friend doesn't want to come to your business, then you know what, you didn't want their business anyway, because they never got the full story. So I never cared about what any of my clients think, uh, or, or friends or family think, because I talked to my client. My client wanted what I provided, and hopefully I did it in a great way. And, you know, I, I think that's what 20 years for me gives me perspective on. Like, I, I don't have the perfect answer, guys, but don't worry about somebody not connected to the sale they weren't going to be good people anyway. Really good people say, Hey man, I saw John's car. Doesn't look exactly how I want. Can you do another level of service? That's the call you'll get most of the time uh, in those situations from good people. And, and so that's kind of where I'll kind of end my night. I got to, <laughs> got to deal with some family stuff over here, but hopefully, you know, that helps people. Enjoy, man. Thanks for, thanks for hopping in, man. Thanks for your advice. Appreciate it. And that makes sense, Nick. I mean, I know you're leaving, but yeah, I mean, if you do convey with your client what exactly they're getting, at least the client knows. So when, if their friend or whoever, you know, the other, they run into another detailer, tells them that the car looks like shit, he can say, well, look, my guy explained it to me. This is how it was going to look. This is how he did it. That's what I wanted. I'd much rather have his friend see some isolated swirls or something that he didn't get out than leave a bunch of wax in the cracks, a half-assed tire, oh, yeah. and a dirty wheel. Yeah. You know? I can't, I can't tell you how, how many cars I do that came from another detailer for, for whatever reason. Um, usually I've had a few, I've, yeah, I've, I've had a few clients kind of start to bash their previous detail, and I, I don't really want to hear it. Um, I'm never one to try to sell myself based on somebody's shortcomings. But man, I've, I've got a lot like, you know, the, the texture black plastic trim with fucking wax or polish, you know, still embedded in it got, for God knows how long. And that's what detailing is, is getting that shit clean. Like anybody David, can wash I'm so, Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because you're right. Absolutely right. If we took a poll 
how many customers saw that wax or compound residue in a crack versus a light marring in the paint. <laughs> I'm, cleaning well, up a Porsche. I'm cleaning up a Porsche, but that's exactly what I'm doing. My, I, I have it broken off for two days. And the first day was restoring the headlights and cleaning up all the white crap in the scenes, stuff like that before I start actually polishing and actually doing the job. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and the thing about that is you, you can spend 40 hours doing, you know, the fucking end all correction. And then you leave shit like that. And it's, it's not worth shit. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, I was just working on um, a 99 Cadillac Seville with like 9,000 miles on it. Ooh. And yeah, I was, I was, I was doing the interior and it was amazing. The, the amount of um, like leather conditioner, or whatever they, they put on the, on the interior, like embedded in the, the piping around the seats and in the, in the thread holes and all that. Like all right. it's insane. I, I get a laugh out of these guys that, that post these knockdown, drag out interior details, and the, and the gas and brake pedal are still muddy and dirty. What yeah, yeah. And that, that's what is the first thing you see when you open the car door? You're kind of like drawing towards that as you get in. <laughs> it's it's insane. It's insane. All right, let's have to charge me. extra for that. He, oh, of course you hot. Yeah, of course you get. The only thing I don't get sometimes is the, the fucking pouch on the back of the seats. I'll admit to that. Or the headliner. <laughs> yeah, so headliner is one that I don't include in a package. Um, just because you know they, they can be sensitive a lot of times they don't need it. Yeah. But <laughs> they suck. They suck doing it. <laughs> yeah, wait till yeah. They... Exactly. So I just hope that people don't like I'm not gonna yeah. point anything out on the fucking headliner. Sure, those are made with water-based glue. I don't feel comfortable cleaning up. <laughs> Good <call>. For free. <laughs> All right, Nick, uh, what's cooking with Nick been up to tonight? We haven't been over to see what you're cooking. Yeah, we, yeah, we did early. <laughs> yeah. He's oh, awesome. <laughs> like, finish. We well, haven't even seen the fi- My bad, man. Oh. Like, I'm in the finish part. Like, It was, dude, honestly, I ate like halfway through that that whole like correction versus enhancement thing and i didn't want to take away from it so i just thought that shit down it was delicious i don't have a picture of it i'm sorry maybe some other time i might have to remake it but what i showed you is basically just imagine the chili on top of the dog that's what you got i mean that's i mean you usually have this like play where it's like laid out and you gotta that's what i I was expecting man i'm gonna tell you right now this was this was by far my least photogenic meal. It did not deserve any limelight. I put a freaking hot dog bun in this, laid it with chili and a bratwurst, and just fucking went to town. I went to town. Wow. I mean, I was thinking about is. my answer in the meantime. Wow, I'm surprised you brought this. Dude, it was I'm, I'm trapped on the like, knee pads for a good chili dog right now. Yes. <laughs> So Derek's on, but he's currently working, so he can't chime in. He's working, Uh, huh? Yeah, he's working. He's using those knee pads all right. (laughs) Uh, There was somebody showing some mat cleaning earlier, and they had this little pad, I think is what Brandon from Shawshank has been mentioning. So if anybody doesn't want to use knee pads, they can uh, use a pad. It's uh, (laughs) It's, it's funny. Alex, uh, Alex Russell, podcast. what we talk about on our podcast is why detailers need knee pads and they suddenly have stuff all over their shirt. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is, right? Like, I'm telling you guys, those <laughs> knee pads 
for helping out tonight. God, oh my God, the seductive voice too, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> God. It's it's dark in this warehouse, and you can't see what's going on, but uh, man, his knee pads. <laughs> we love hey, it. Hey, Derek, love I got something it. for you, buddy. Knee pads. All right, so David, uh, we, we want to give you the last moment. Um, we're going to close it down here in the pub. We typically have a tab out question, but uh, Derek's knee pads aren't working so well, and he hasn't drank enough, and he's not he's not that guy at the end of the bar that's drunk that asks the most random questions. So we're going to let you just close it out tonight. Um, overall thoughts on just correction, uh, do, do people need to do it? What levels do they need to do it? How do we address it with customers? You know, take some time, lay out because you and I had, well, you had some dialogue with some people on a post that I made and there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of, and that's what we've tried to address. Um, you know, so I just want to give you this last moment, uh, and just lay out whatever thoughts you wanted to say. Well, that post. Well, first of all, thanks for inviting me on. I had a great time. It was it was really great to be part of this. Um, basically, and I'll, I'll reiterate this: you need to know your customer. You need to know the car. You need to analyze the car and set the expectations with your customer. What you're able to do. It's always great to over deliver a little bit, okay, instead of under deliver. Um, but set realistic expectations so there's no problems when they go to pick up. Um, that is key, and it's, it's critical for having a successful business if you're going to be dealing with the general public. Um, once doing that, then you have to go after what you commit to, um, and that's the, the big story right there. Now, as far as your post and how you made that, as far as um, our paint corrections necessary when you're doing ceramic coatings, that's a whole nother discussion. It really is, whether they're needed or not. We didn't really touch on that, but as far as paint correction goes in general. Um, Dave, it's your closing thoughts, sir. You oh, I'm sorry. Into, <laughs> sorry, I basically discuss did. whatever <laughs> you want. I'm sorry. Basically knowing your customer, <laughs> delivering what you what you're No, I'm saying if you want to go into that thought process, go into it and roll with it. Go for well, that, it. Man. That's a whole other discussion if you want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but we're trying to close this up, so I don't – we can do well, that. why is it? Why is it a whole other discussion? Like, I mean, oh. we're well, understanding the customer. We're knowing what they need. What does it have to do with putting the protection on? If a customer comes in and says, hey, I know I have swirls. I just want some protection on it. Yeah, wax or a sealant isn't going to be good enough because I want it to last a lot longer than 30, 60, 90 days. And you sell them a coating. You have to realize if they don't want correction, don't push for it. As long as you have clean paint, ceramic coat that finish, you're making the customer happy, you're delivering what they're wanting, and move on. Doesn't but there's some people that say that you won't get the bond that's going to last seven years and their insurance backing from this fictitious theory that you can like yeah, there cover is. everything <laughs> and yeah. not go yeah. through a car wash and they have to do like, I mean, there's so many stipulations and they yeah. mandate that you've got to do a full correction, but you're yeah. saying that don't do it. So that's what I'm saying. Why? Uh, the coding company doesn't pay me. 
The customer does. So making sure they're happy and, and giving them what they want, that's all that matters in my book. Who cares can can I say one thing real quick? Yeah. One of, one of the first things that I, and maybe it'll bite me in the ass one day. One of the first things I talk to my clients about that call me for a ceramic coating are, you know, there's two years, five years, 10 years, lifetime coatings. I basically tell them that the, the uh, warranties that come with those don't, don't even fucking worry about that. That's bullshit. Every, any company is going to look for every reason that they can to not warranty it. So that aside, let's figure out what you need as a client. I can fucking get, I can get the right product for you based on my experience and take it from there. And most of the time they, they appreciate that. And they understand that a lot of times warranties work that way. Yeah. Do you find most people, Dave, anybody, do, you, do you find most people keep their cars seven years lifetime? I mean, no. what do they no, keep them? They're going to. And I, I'll call them right out. Bad. Come on, you know damn well you're not going to keep that car for five or six. Exactly. Or and you know what? Your car's going to look like shit at seven years. Exactly. So that's why I, I sell three-year coatings more than anything. All day long. Right? Because I can, sell, I can sell you a six-year coating, but guess what? By the time six years is up, or by the time three years is up, there's going to be more scratches. There's going to be swirls. So save yourself some money now. In three years, if you still have the vehicle, we can address it again. And you'll get more time of your car looking at its prime by doing that way. Mine's a 2011, just throwing it in there, that I've had since brand new. Just, yeah, yeah whatever. Oh, are, you still, are you still here? At the, the, <laughs> the other Alex. Your wife won't let you buy a new one. <laughs> um, so, correct. David. We're just waiting for a new one to come out. David, why... Why the push for all this full correction when it's not necessary? Uh, to pacify your own, your, your own ego. Yes, strictly because of that. Does ego pay the bills? No, ego doesn't. Your customers do. Igor does. Does a ceramic company that tells you you have to do a full correction before installing their protection, does that pay Only the bills? Give you a territory. Not my bills because I don't use them. <laughs> Only if they give you a territory. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Unquote, right? yeah. Let's talk about that. territory. <laughs> I can't remember the last customer that asked me, "Do you install this certain product or coating? Do you know, uh, you know, or ask about a warranty or how long it's going to last? Who gives a shit? They want a coating. That's what ninety-nine percent of people want. It's just a coating, general term. And and mm. even if they do their research and they get. You know, they, they, they start to learn, you know, three or four different brands and, and they ask me about it. I say, oh yeah, I, you know, I don't offer any of those, but we'll take care of this for you. They're buying my brand and that's what I want. They're, they're trusting my judgment. They're trusting my professionalism. That's what I want. I don't, I don't want this marketing, this, this company that's marketing to me as their consumer, the, the ceramic coating companies. Right, they're trying to sell to me, not my. Not, they're not trying to provide the best product for my client. They that's my job is to provide the the best product, which is not only the the ceramic, but the job installing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great guys. Thanks for all the dialogue. Really great input, uh, David. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for uh, spending the evening with us, diving into. What is necessary when it's involved with correction? 
So I can't thank you enough for the time that you put into uh, the community. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Brandon for Shawshank, man. Good to see you. Thanks so much. Alex Russell, thanks for hopping in. Really appreciate that. John from Ride and Shine, when you hop in, it's always fun, man. Uh, we don't always get the video. Now we get to see your pretty face, so thanks for hopping on. We, we had think... two Daves at one point, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. <laughs> That's true. God, what, what a crazy episode of having all these yeah. unique things happen. Uh, <laughs> cooking with Nick. Oh, We're wow. glad to That's see that uh, you had some amazing dogs. You love to put them down your face as fast as you could. I did. I did, and it was worth it. I'm sorry, but it was worth it. I get it. I get it. Alex, man, thanks for your time. Good input. And Dave, thanks so much for hopping in, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys. Have guys. a good week. Ah, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, oh. Have a good week. Wait, I, got, I had to remind you. Oh, yeah, my bad. You even reminded me. I, even I know. God. Yeah. I got so into what uh, David was saying. So, Alex, go ahead. Oh, okay. So, uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, no, actually, it's probably longer than that, probably a month or so back um, or so, I mentioned to Marty that we should have a hyper clean Facebook group um, for everybody to be able to ask questions, um, safe space, you know, to get answers to a lot of this stuff. So, you know, maybe not, Marty's not having to answer the phone all the time. Um, so then we talked about it again a couple of weeks ago. And today I got a notification that Marty had invited me to the HyperClean Specialist Facebook group. Oh, um, it's a private it's a private group um, so that we can keep it to the HyperClean users. Um, and it doesn't just be, it doesn't just have to be the ceramic, um, the full line. Right, Marty? Is that what we're yeah. doing? Full line. Anybody that uses HyperClean, we want to open dialogue so that people can toss back and forth ideas, what they're seeing on paint. Dave, as we mentioned earlier, there's all kinds of different paints or things going on. Right. How do we address them? What's the best you know, way to go about it? So, yeah, man, thanks for reminding me. Good call. Right. So just a, just a good place for everybody to have some fun. I think um, – you know, ask, be able to ask the questions or share info for people who are curious about it. Um, post up photos. Um, I'm, I'm big on, you know, visualization. Um, so I love it when somebody shows me, especially like with interior work, you know, when you can see a before and after and you see how maybe a dressing works or how a, 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 an APC worked or something along those lines. Um, so yeah, so I look for uh, hyperclean specialists. And uh, somebody will approve you, I guess. Give me an invite. What's that? Definitely. Give me an invite. I will. I'll do that. Yeah, right. I'd like an invite too. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning it, Alex. Really appreciate that. Uh, and uh, we'll see you guys all next week. Uh, for everybody else, go hop on to HyperClean Specialist. And let's have some dialogue and see what's going on in the industry and how we can all help clean cars better. That's what we do as car care oh, yeah. specialists. I'll see you guys. See, see you guys. guys. Right. Good night, Thanks. guys. David Cerrone. Good, good, good chin, man. Thanks. Dude, you're a legend, man. I, I can't believe I didn't see you until just now. <laughs> I thought I heard you say my name. I'm yeah, glad man, you were awesome. here, man. And we're, we're, the, we're the two old heads in the room, I think. Yeah, we are. That's awesome. <laughs> <to see> you. <laughs> okay, I hope to see you again. Yeah. Take care, guys. Thanks. Yep. Chat later. <laughs>
And if you got any value out of it, hey, go share it. Go let people know what you heard on the Pints of Polishing podcast. And listen, if you want to leave us a review, we would love that. You know, five star, one star. Hey, whatever you think we deserve, if you would leave us a review, greatly appreciate that. And thank you so much for being a part of community. Thank mm-hmm. you.